thank you if you were in those videos, but I don't know about you, but it's just fun to see the family, right? It's fun to like, whether you recognize somebody or not, or it's just fun to see the diversity that God's put within the family. Um, You watch those faces scroll through and it's like, man, we are a wide group of people, which for me, I get excited about because I think more diversity, more like heaven. So when we're praying heaven come to earth, heaven come to earth really is a whole group of diverse people that stumbled their way into faith and said yes to Jesus. And now we get to sit in a room and call each other family like like there's something beautiful to that. Um, we're we're going to dive in this morning, this whole series, um, people, uh, hopefully by the end you get why the, the E is backwards, but um, if not, you have to come back next week. Um, so... But, but the whole goal behind it is this, that, that if you were here a month ago, uh, we, we set sail with our three-step vision, our three-step vision being um, we're going we're gonna to secure this campus and make it as, as big as we can because of the, the people coming in around um, this campus. And so trying to just take what God's given us, be good stewards, uh, make it as wide and as big and, and See what God does with it, right? And then the next step was, step two was Flagstaff, Sedona, potentially places like Hawaii. Um, because of what we do in step one with a video room that will be back here that allows us to instantly go online with our entire services um, and allow us to plant churches in places where there currently um, is a need. And then step three is, Lord willing, that Prescott Valley will have a campus of some sort um, we, we have no leads on that. We're not, we're in step one right now. Step one is we put up fences this week. You guys see, you guys saw the fences. Some of you are like, I don't know how to get into church now. I've always gone that way and I can't go that way. Right. And now, now it's like, good luck finding a way in. But, but that, that was a month ago. We talked about that. That's launched now. We're, we're in the process of that. That is step one. We're moving into, um, then we went into a series of prayer and, and that was intentional. Because while a church can have a vision, if the people do not have um, vision, it will not lead to action. And vision for you has to come from God himself. Vision from you, if you're going to move, we can give you a compelling story. We can give you a compelling vision. We can cast it the best we can. But reality is, if God does not stir in your soul and your desire to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth um, greater than your will, it doesn't matter what we come up with. Um, The church is people. It is not a building. Um, If they mess up in this whole building thing and this building goes away, the church doesn't go away because the church is a family. And the family is still intact even if the building disappears. And so, but the reality of that then is the family better have some similar values. We better have some similar rhythms. We better all kind of be moving the same, same direction. So the plan has been from the start of casting vision was, man, we need to just spend time with God and get on the same page. And then the next step now, as we move into this series is kind of anchoring us back as a church family going, wait a minute. Cause, cause if you haven't had this question yet, I get it weekly in the grocery store. So, so why are we doing stuff to the main building? Like, why are we putting things on front of H4? Why are we building park? Like, it, it, it's still that, like, what is, what is the root reason for what we're doing? And, and I would compare it to, I would compare it to when I was 16 years old. 
And at 16 years old, um, I don't know if you have this here, but we had job opportunities. It was a week where, where you got to go and do the job that you want to do. Did you guys do that or no? Cool. There's like two of us. We're in good company. That's great. That's great. Four. We just upped our number by a lot. Um, so for, for me, that like you sit down with a counselor in high school and, and the counselor goes, what do you want to do? And, and they're supposed to figure out your dream and figure out like your purpose, right? And I'm like, well, I want to play soccer. Okay. And pretends to write something down, I think. Right? Uh, that's going to be hard. And I'm like, I know. I know the path is hard. I said, but I'm committed. I said, but if you would put me with a team, that would be great. <laughs> well, I don't know if we can do that. And so long story short, I ended up in a business office. And on top of that, it was an accounting office. So how she translated soccer, pro soccer player to accounting, <laughs> she obviously didn't look at my grades. Um, but... But the reality was I got in that space, and, and when I got there, I, had, I, I was on a mission that I was just going to make their life miserable because I didn't want to be there. And so I was succeeding, and then they succeeded to make my life miserable. Um, they took me to a door and opened it, and literally there were, this, this is back, back a while, filing cabinets. Remember what those were with files in them? You know, um, kids, ask your parents. Um, but... <laughs> But filing cabinets lined up. And I mean, like, this room, that's all it was. And they said, you're, you're going to be working in here. I'm like, I'm going to be working where? Uh, you're gonna be, yeah, you're going to be working in here. Um, we want you to organize everything. Okay. How you want me to do it? So they tell me, like I care. They tell me. Um, and, and I kid you not, they came back and found me asleep <laughs> in the closet fast asleep in the closet. Now, it's one thing if you're 16 and you're asleep in the closet. It's another thing if you're 25, 35, 45, 55, and asleep in the closet. You see, here's where the translation breaks down. They had given me their vision of what I should be doing, and yet no action came out of it. Why? Because it wasn't my vision. It wasn't my purpose. And so today what I want to do is I don't want any of us with our faith. I don't want any of us in this journey that God has got this church. I don't know if you feel it or sense it, but the Holy Spirit is doing something here. And he, it, it's, I just talked to an elder on the way out and he goes, man, I don't know if you sense it, but I sense it. God is doing something and he's about to move in a mighty way. Amen. Now, here's how much I care about you. I don't want you asleep in the closet when God's moving. Right? That, that's the reality. That's why we're here today. That's why we're going to go through what we go through. is Because none of us want to be found in our faith sitting asleep in the closet because we don't get it. Because we're not committed because we don't have a purpose. And so I believe that there are rhythms that we find in Scripture that repeat over and over and over. And so for the next six weeks, we are going to repeat those rhythms in hopes that we as a community together as a family can get a common set of family values that begin to drive us forward and move us forward together, not just in this setting, but wherever you find a Heights family member and you ask them, why are you doing what you're doing? They can go, because da 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 
that you have the rhythms of scripture so burned into you that you can respond with, this is why I do what I do. This is why our church does what it does. Those two should sync up very, very closely. So if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, the context is um, Jesus is healed at the pool. And some things were said about the authority of Jesus. And then it jumps in in John chapter 6 with this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of, everybody say it. Okay, that was like 20%. Like, like everybody, I'll give you the Greek interpretation of everybody. It means everybody. Um, okay, so... And a great crowd of people people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Okay, let's be real clear. We've said it before. We're going to say it a whole bunch of times. The mission is people. It has always been people. It will always be people. Okay, so this crowd of people decided that they were going to get up and they were going to follow Jesus specifically, specifically because of the signs and the healings, the signs and the healings they had seen. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. So, so these signs and healings, they begin to pursue him. He goes up, sits with his disciples. Um, here, here's where we're going to go. I, if you're, if you're Baptist, got Baptist roots, I got Baptist roots, so I can say this. Um, you're going to enjoy today because it's three E's. Okay? Three E's. Okay, we got two Baptists. That's great. Um, (laughs) Encounter. That these people, they are following because they have seen something and they want a further encounter with Jesus. The, the, The building block of your faith, the building block of my faith, is this moment when for the first time I encounter Jesus in a way that I see him as Lord and Savior. When I see him as my, my savior from my sins, that he's forgiven me, when, when that moment happens, when the lights come on, so to speak, when my faith, there's a transfer of faith, when I trust him for the first time, I have an encounter with Jesus that, that, that changes me from the inside out, changes my eternal destiny. That is what these people are seeking Jesus for. They're going, there's something about you, Jesus, And not only is there something about you, but what I see in you, um, I want more of. And if you're here today and you fall in that category, like you stumbled in here because you happened to get tricked into going to a park and you happen to like see balloons and stuff. um, And so you're like, man, I guess I'll go back. They were crazy. Um, Well, welcome. Welcome. It is crazy. Um, But you need to know that, that that's God drawing you. That God's doing something inside of you to further your encounter with the person of Jesus. And so welcome. If you're on that journey, welcome. But there are others of you that that you have encountered Jesus. You have placed your faith in Jesus. And and what you need to know is this rhythm isn't a one-time. I don't believe that, that I believe saving faith is that moment of salvation. But I believe that we continue for the rest of our lives to encounter Jesus in fresh ways. That if you're not encountering Jesus, then I don't know if your life is living on the purpose that God intended it to live on. That your life should be this continual 
momentum of, man, I saw Jesus in this way today. I saw Jesus in this way today. By the way, there's 8 billion people on the planet, so you should see Jesus in somebody, right? You should encounter somebody that goes, man, the image of God's in them. I saw God in a fresh way today. And so this idea of encounter, these people are now pursuing Jesus. They go, they're, they're chasing him up to the mountainside because of this idea of encountering Jesus. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, uh, this, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, the, John is the fourth of what we call the gospel writers. And what the gospel writers were, were they were men that had, had eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And, and so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four. And, and you find stories repeated in all of those. And so in this one, in John, um, it's actually repeated in other places. And, and the word they put in there is when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. Maybe just, maybe just a little gut check. Um, in the room of when was the last time that you saw another human and you had compassion on them? Compassion, by the way, is, is a feeling, uh, an emotion that leads to action. That you were so moved by what you saw that you moved into action for them. That, that when was the last time that, that you were so moved by people that, that your gut was so stirred that you then went into action on their behalf, meeting, whether it was meeting needs or whether it was um, alerting somebody to needs or whether you just couldn't sleep because you've seen the plight of another human being and you're not okay with it. That that's the, that's the tone of when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said, said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, now, the Gospels record it different. Some say that Jesus, this one says that Jesus asked, where are we going to buy bread? The other one says the disciples look at him and go, uh, we need to send them away to eat. And Jesus looks at him and goes, you feed them, right? In this context, what's recorded is Philip is the one it's aimed at. And, and, and it's specific, where, go, hey, Philip, where are you going to get bread? Uh, I don't know. And he starts to look at who? The people. But Philip's a logic guy. Later in, later in John 13, Philip is working out like um, he, he has a need. There's a conversation going on, and he gets asked a question, and he goes, hey, all I need is to see the Father. So he's a guy that just figures out the need and tells you what it is. He's a logic guy. He figures out the numbers. He figures out what's going on, and he analyzes it. And, and, he, and in this case, it's no different. He analyzes it, and when he gets to the point, he goes, How about half a year's wages, which was 200 denarii. So he goes, I, I, and then he says that would just get them a bite. But, but he's specifically saying he's logicked it out, and the conclusion he's come to is we don't have enough money to what? Meet the need. Essentially what he's tagging, what Philip's doing, is he's run the gamut of logic, he's run the gamut of thought, and what he got to the end of is it's impossible. You, you can't do this. Like, like this can't be done. And, and it, there's other people, commentators, who have written on this that they believe Philip was asked because um, 
Philip was from Bethsaida, which was close to where this took place. So he was the closest disciple to the, to the area. Um, there were two towns. And those towns had roughly about two to 3,000 people. There, there's estimated 10,000 people in this gathering. So, so Philip's doing the logic going, and even if we could, there's nowhere you could buy that much bread for this crowd. Essentially, the conclusion logic is coming to is it can't be done. You, you see, logic, logic has an interesting pathway. Because if you're a logic person in the room, I guarantee you last Sunday was a struggle for you if you were there. Because resurrection and logic, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Resurrection of a person who has been dead three days, that's even tougher. And so there's a point when logic ends and what we call faith has to step in. And so in this moment, what, what our logic friend Philip is doing is he's being brought to the end of where his process can think. And he's going, even if we could, which we can't, they'd only get a bite. In the next verse, um, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So we've already established in this story, it's impossible. We've hit a road that's impossible. And, and now what you got is you got essentially um, a, a, a young lad's lunch, right? His mama packed him a lunch and he steps up and he goes, uh, you can have it. By the way, there's a fascinating word that's captured in John that they were barley loaves. Um, Barley loaves were small, and it was what was eaten by people in in poverty. I want to be really, really clear. This isn't a rich kid that has a plethora of lunch options, and and he's just going to give some. This is a kid that when he gives what he gives, that's all he's got. That, that in this moment, what he has, he's going, I'm going to put it in the hands of Jesus. And, and, and I know the situation's impossible. And I know I'm giving out of my poverty, but I'm going to step into this moment and I'm going to give it because I have it. There, there's a huge lesson here of, of if you're waiting to have much to give, you got it backwards. That that what you've been given, God may be calling you to step up and give what you have to see what miracle he performs in the impossible. That we think that, and I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking your time. Everybody has a gift of time. You woke up this morning, you're breathing, welcome to the planet, you've got 24 hours, what are you going to do with it? Everybody's born with a gift of time. Everybody has resources of some sort. Everybody has relationships of some sort. And so finances are a part of that. But you also have a a massive amount of talent that's been given to you and trusted to you. And God has entrusted it to you to see what you're going to do on the planet with the talent that he gave you. But here's the crazy part. That if you're going to do anything for him on the planet with the talent he gave you, it's essentially you going, God, what I have, I give to you to see what you're going to do through me on the planet. 
And so the question is, what do you have? What do you have? Because in this moment, what you have and what you give to Jesus depends on how the impossible will turn out. I meet people every single week, either at the grocery store, at Walmart, at restaurants, at coffee shops, um, soccer fields. Hey, man, um, um, been, been thinking about what the church is doing. Cool. Um, well, you've been thinking about it. <laughs> well, it just, it just seems like a lot. That whole three-step vision thing and like, like, are we really trying to do the campus and we're, we're getting Sam's Club? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all, go back and listen to about 10 sermons because Sam's Club was never a done deal. But I meet people all the time that start to talk about what God's called us to and it sounds impossible. Hey, church, if we learn anything from the story, it's this, that God, what I have, I give to you to see what you'll do with it. That's a family principle, by the way. And what's crazy is you actually are blessed more in the giving of your time, your talents, your, your resources, your relationships, your, your finances. You're, you're blessed more when you give those. And we'll get, we'll get to that. But the second E is this. Are you... Like the disciples were being asked to engage in your faith with Jesus. See, in this moment, what's happening is Luke's being, or sorry, Philip's being engaged on a totally different level than what um, Andrew's being engaged with and what the boy's being engaged with. But all of them are being engaged in their faith going, are you going to step up to the plate? Are you going to step into this moment? And are you, as you step into that moment, going to grow your faith and trust Jesus more with it? That's what it's all about. And so the idea is for the boy, the boy engages in his faith by going, everything I have is yours. Let's see what you do. For, for, for the disciples, it's, man, I, we've, we've hit the impossible and God's going, yeah, and now it's time to get you to engage in faith. Now it's time to get you to engage in trusting me. Now it's time to get you to engage in going a step further. And so then the story picks up and it says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down about 5,000 men. So that means there was 10,000 women and kids. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks notice he prays, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they what? Wanted. As much as they wanted. Okay, quick, quick story. When you give Jesus what you have for the seeming impossible, he actually gives you above and beyond what you need. That, that's the way it works. All through scripture, the oil in the Old Testament never ran out. When, when you take what you have and you say, God, I'm going to bring it. And when I bring it, I want to see what you do because I'm engaging in my faith with Jesus. And as I engage in my faith with Jesus, what you find over and over and over is that there's more than was needed. He did the same with the fish when they had all had enough to eat. When they all had enough to eat, they were satisfied. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. Can you imagine that? You're a disciple and you've already seen like 10,000 people eat. You've gone back with the baskets and keep them getting filled and handing out and filled and handing out until people are satisfied. And then in the next moment, he goes, go get the leftovers. Let's follow the law and honor the bread. Go get the leftovers. And they begin to pack. Well, that's one basket. Give me another one. 
And they end up, as the story goes, so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves, the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Jesus, in another spot, says that that the disciples were the ones handing out the bread, and they were the ones collecting the bread. What Jesus does in this moment is our third E. He empowers them to serve Jesus. He empowers them to serve. He, he takes ordinary men and he invites them into the miracle. He takes ordinary churches of good-looking people. Um, and he invites them into the miracle. He takes them and he says, hey, if you'll give me what you have, let me show you what I want to do through you as you serve. He empowers us, church, to be his hands and feet on the planet. He empowers us to go forward in the name of the gospel. But the goal, don't miss what the goal was of this encounter, engaged in power. It was wrapped in people. Jesus saw the people. And when he saw the people, it moved him to action. And when he was moved to action, the opportunity came for people to encounter Jesus in a fresh way, to engage in their faith with Jesus, and also on top of that, to be empowered to serve Jesus. The story ends this way. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet. Did they encounter him that day? Surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. They got an encounter with Jesus and it led to wanting more of Jesus. As a church, um, we're, we're taking these rhythms and we're building them into why, why build this room bigger? Well, there, if you weren't here, there, within five miles in five years, there's 5,000 homes, which is about 15,000 people. And some of them, for the first time, um, some of them, for the first time, we want to, can you go to the drawing, sorry? We want to see people encounter Jesus. You know that some of the people that move in here, right, they've never met Jesus. You know some of the people you go to work with, they've never met Jesus. You know some of the people in your social settings, they've never met Jesus. Well, they have because you're there, but what Jesus they met, who knows, right? Just being honest. I drive too. But, but the goal is people, and not just people like, man, we just want to fill seats in a building. If that's what it is, then good luck. We might as well quit now. But we want to see people encounter the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. We're going to stand and we're going to build our lives and we're going to give what we have. Why? Because we believe that people that are in our community and are coming to our community need to see Jesus. They need an encounter with Jesus because if they don't, if they don't, that's not okay. And so we have the privilege to stand and say, you know what? I will give what I have. Why? To see people encounter Jesus, maybe for the first time. And then once they encounter, it moves to engage. 
That, that we want people to engage in their faith. We want to be a community, a family, where people are stepping up into their faith. Um, we want to be a community where people aren't just sitting. By the way, Matthew 28 talks about it very clear. It says, as you go, meaning wherever you go as a follower of Jesus, make disciples. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is a follower. What is a follower? A follower is growing in their knowledge of the person they're following. As they encounter Jesus, they follow Jesus and their faith begins to grow, as the Bible talks about. Our goal, our goal on a church level is that every single time you find the church doing anything, what we are about is seeing people encounter Jesus. And then once they encounter Jesus, what we really want to do is we want to see them engage and become disciples of Jesus. Why? So that we can empower them to serve Jesus. And once they are empowered to serve, it goes back to an encounter. If you've served in any way, you know this is true. You grew more in your love for Jesus through serving. You saw Jesus in a new way of trust through serving. You you don't believe me? Ask somebody that went from sitting in a life group to leading a life group. All of a sudden, it's on them, and they're sitting there going, oh, man, Jesus, I need some words right now, right? Or somebody who's like, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of being in front of people, but I'll hold a door. And they begin to, oh, by the way, I said this this morning with, a, with our serve team. You know the first door holder was Jesus, right? He opened the door for you and me. Being a door holder to the kingdom of God is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, but when you hold a door and you begin to engage with people, even though you're going, I'm an introvert, I'm an introvert, you can do it. You begin to grow in your faith. And so this becomes cyclical in nature for our church. Hang on, go back. Becomes cyclical in nature for our church. That we want to see people encounter. We want to see them engage. And as they engage, we want to empower them. And as we empower them, we want to see them encounter more. And they'll engage deeper and be empowered further. That's the goal of the church. That's why we do anything that we do. But one last spin is this. What about you? What about your life today? If, if, you, if you were to look at your week coming up, do you get excited going, man, God, uh, I'm going to live. I'm going to give what I have. Uh, you got me in this job. I don't really like it, but I'm here. And so I'm going to do my best for you. I'm going to give you what I have. But God, I really hope that that person encounters Jesus because I'm here. All of a sudden, wherever you work just took on a holy meaning. And, and all of a sudden now, when you're there, do you, do you, do you realize that, that God wants to engage you further in your faith while you work? If your vocation is just a vocation, you're missing a holy calling on your life. Because God wants to use you to engage in your faith this week in that space. On top of that, God, do you have a space this week? So as you go through your your week coming up, is there a space where you know I'm going to be serving? And somebody's empowering me. Somebody always empowers us to serve, by the way. There's always people holding us up. But that you would you would step into that moment this week going, you know what? I, I am empowered to serve, and I know when I serve, I'm going to look for who? Look for Jesus, because I'm going to encounter him more. And so this becomes a cycle that I can take to my daily life and go, you know what? I'm going to live my life on this cycle where I'm encountering Jesus in fresh ways every single day. 
that I'm a living man in such a way that I'm engaging in my faith with Jesus. I'm growing. And that I'm empowering whether myself or others to serve. Why? Because people really, really matter to God. And if people really, really matter to God because the mission is people, it's always been people, it always will be people. And the crazy part that I still don't understand is God uses people to reach people. Which means that every single one of you, unless you live in a hobbit, and even in a hobbit, they ran into people every now and then. But unless you live so isolated that you don't have people, which come see me because we need to get people with you, um, you have people to influence this week for the gospel. You have people this week that need to encounter Jesus, that you need to help engage in their faith. And you need to see them empowered to serve. And so, God, we come before you. God, thank you for being the God who performs miracles. God, thank you for being the God who is so big and vast that a crowd of hungry people, God, is nothing for you. God, the fact that you use people in the story to feed people, God, is synonymous for us in our week. And so, God, in these next moments as we lift Jesus high, Would your spirit speak to us? Would you use your spirit to ignite within us faces of people that need to encounter, that need to engage and be empowered this week? God, would you allow us to be good stewards of what we have? And would we trust the holy God with miracles with what we have? Thank you for being our God. We are your people. And everybody said, Amen. amen.